Well, we, we got to thank Peter Trulin for that funky intro music that we get to listen to every week here on the Rec Poker Podcast. Puts a smile on my face every time. Uh, my name is Jim Reed. I'm lucky enough to have the best job in the world. Every Monday night, I get to hang out with my poker friends and talk about poker here on the Rec Poker Podcast. So thanks for joining me and the Wrecking Crew, folks. I got to thank the Running Aces Hotel Racetrack and Casino because without their support, things would be a lot tougher around here. They're our sponsor and we love them. Um, one of the reasons sponsors are so important is because most of what we do here at Rec Poker is free. We're a largely volunteer-based organization, and uh, we count on donations, uh, sponsorship, and the support of our premium members to keep the magic going on over here and to help us out with everything we do. Um, like I said, my name is Jim Reed. I'm Bluffsterini in the home game and at Rec Poker Jim on Twitter, but I am just one of the wrecking crew. It takes a whole crew to do what we do over here. Um, you hear my voice because I get the mic on Mondays, but it really is a group effort to put everything together. And if you want to learn more about me and the rest of the Wrecking Crew, you can go to rec.poker slash crew or just listen up and you'll hear from some of them here tonight. I'm Chris Jones. You can find me 5b5 on Twitter or 5x5 in the Poker Stars home game. And I'm John Somsky. I am Poker Geek MN everywhere. I'm Kim Kilroy. I am PatVat33 in the home game, PatVat underscore 33 on Twitter. I'm Rob Washam, and I'm Rabman50 just about everywhere. And I mentioned at the top, uh, one of the things that we love is when our premium members come and join us here on the forums edition. That's one of the perks of being a premium member. And so I'm pleased to welcome Charles Allen back into the conversation. Uh, Charles, thanks for coming back on the show. And why don't you tell Rec Poker Nation uh, where they can find you? Hi, everyone. This is Charles Allen. Be chipping the home games. There you go. And he's he'll be chipping up because uh, he's been in the winter. Not tonight. <laughs> not tonight. Now you got an early exit tonight, Charles. All right. No, I'm still there, but I'm not hitting nothing. <laughs> so yeah, folks. We as we record these on Monday nights, we're playing in the uh, Rec Poker Home Game Club, which is a series of play money tournaments brought to you by John Somsky, and it's a fantastic way to come and practice and uh, play with your friends. Um, we have a lot of fun with it. We also get together every Tuesday night with Kevin Mathers and uh, talk about hang out in our Tuesday night online play and hang for premium members. Um, this is just one of the ways we have a lot of fun here. We all kind of learn about poker together. That is the key here at Rec Poker. So I mentioned at the top, this is the forums edition of the show. So every week we're going to take a different forum post from one of our members. Uh, the forums are free. If you're a community member, all it takes is an email address and a smile. Uh, please, I mean, they're both mandatory. We insist on both. But feel free to swing by and sign up for a free Rec Poker account today. Um, you can use the forums, play in the home games, post in the Discord, watch our free videos. Uh, the premium membership is a great way to take the next step, but there is a lot of amazing uh, stuff here available to our free community members. Uh, Dingo posted this one. I'm guessing this is one of our new Australian members. If you've been listening to the podcast recently, you've definitely heard um, a few Australian guests on the show. Uh, Troy Chapman, and uh, another Wrecking Crew member, has been uh, getting active with some home games and leagues and that sort of thing down there. So we're excited to see more Australians getting involved with Rec Poker. Uh, so Dingo, thank you for posting. This uh, post is called Extracting Value Out of the Early Aggressor. So this is uh, one of the forum posts from our uh, Hand Histories forum. And I'll just dive into it here and we can start breaking it down with some of the responses from uh, members and Wrecking Crew, uh, Wrecking Crew members here as well. So Dingo posts and says, hi, all. 
Over the last weekend, I had a deep run in the APLPT Sydney, Australia's Jack Stars uh, Super High Roller event. This hand is from when I was nine-handed on the final table and in the big blind. Humble brag, dingo. <sighs> Nicely done, sir. Way to go. Make that final table. Um, I'm wondering if I could have found a better line to extract value. The villain, who is in the plus three from under the gun seat in this hand history, is a good Australian player with $750,000 uh, in, in earnings. And in this hand history, uh, someone I would have considered the strongest on the final table. So we're nine-handed. Uh, we are in the big blind with 4.2 million holding the jack of hearts and the 10 of clubs. The blinds are 40,000, 80,000 with an 80,000 ante. This uh, early middle position player opens to 160,000, which is two big blinds. And uh, we choose, to, it folds around to us and we choose to call uh, with jack 10 off in the big blind. That seems pretty uncontroversial. Uh, does anybody want to advocate for anything else at this point in the hand? I mean, you know, you always have three options. You can call, fold, or raise. This seems like we're kind of in the middle of our range. It's too good a hand to fold to a one big blind raise. Not good enough to make a value raise, and it doesn't have a lot of the qualities we'd choose for a bluff raise. So let's just call with it and see what happens. The flop comes King, Jack, Ace, Diamond, Diamond, Club. Uh, so we're going to be checking a lot on boards like this, and we do. Uh, we check the original Razor bets 160, which is that same sizing that they chose. So it's a two big blind bet. Uh, we call, and the turn comes the Jack of Clubs. Uh, so we've turned uh, trips on King, Jack, Jack, Ace, but there's definitely better jacks out there there's full houses there's a straight um i don't think we should feel like we've got the nuts necessarily but this is definitely a good card for us uh as player checks our hero here dingo checks does anybody want to uh advocate for a lead here um should we be doing that sometimes no i'm seeing a lot of shaking heads so we're just going to let our opponent continue their aggression yeah rob do you want to uh speak to that well, i was just, i was just going to say He's shown nothing but aggression so far. Um, on this kind of flop, he definitely has the advantage over us, no matter what. Even though we've, even though we've flopped trip or turned trips, uh, he still has all of the uh, full houses at this point in time and straights for that matter. So, yeah, I think at this point in time, a, a check is the best. Let him continue the aggression if he so chooses. Yep, agreed. And, uh, you know, we were talking a little while ago about the different buckets that we might put hands in. So when we check here, we have to kind of expect that sometimes he's going to bet and then we're going to have to choose between check calling and check raising. We're obviously not check folding here. Uh, and then sometimes he's going to check behind and we're going to play the river instead. So in this case, what happens is uh, he checks behind. So we won't explore those decision trees about check calling or check raising for this hand. Uh, the river comes the nine of diamonds. So the board again, king of diamonds, jack of diamonds, ace of clubs, jack of clubs, nine of diamonds. So the same Broadway straights out there that was out there before. Um, and now the flush does come in. We are blocking the straight. We've got trips. I We don't have any diamonds. And it's on us. So Dingo uh, leads 375 which must be not quite pot. Uh, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe pot. That actually might be a pot-sized bet. 
given that it was 160 oh no it's it's about oh, half it's pot, about right? it's about a little less than half pot yeah that's right Pot's was... 760,000 at this time and he bet in 375 so that's a little little less than half pot okay uh which is a which is a very mainstream size i think we were talking last week about how to size certain sea bets and you know proportions of the pot um something around half pot is pretty a pretty typical sizing um so uh we lead out as the hero dingo leads out 375,000 and the other player folds so here are the questions that dingo uh posts into the forum they say am i betting too large for the pot here should i have gone smaller do some kind of blocker or like do some kind of blocker bet for deceptive value uh and if i check here do i get more by check calling by inducing a bluff and their other question is should i have check raised the flop or the turn thinking no because if i get three bet shoved on it's hard to call um so we got a couple of great responses in here already um rob you posted uh the first response so i'll r- throw it over to you and you can start the conversation here and then everyone else feel free to chip in and uh, share your insights as it comes up yeah, just a couple of things. Um, we're going to assume that 4.2 million was the effective stack because we don't really know if, um, that good Australian, what hit that good Australian player's stack size was. So we're just going to assume it's 4.2 million is the effective stack. So we're sitting at about 50 big blinds. Um, I think it's a perfectly fine call from the, from the uh, big blind here. I think one of the things that, he didn't mention is by betting out what types of hands was he hoping to get a call that he was ahead of mm. because on this type of run out um there are very few hands that are behind him that are going to call and that's that's the that's i think is the key right there to deciding when to bet and how much to bet how many hands in on this kind of run out You've got broadways out there. You've got a paired board. You've got you got a flush board. I mean, how many hands are are going to actually call your bet that you're going to be ahead of? So in this case, obviously, the person did not have a hand that he was ahead of because he folded right away. And he's talking about how to get value. Well, in this case, if there was value to be had, he would have gotten it or he would have gotten the bad news by being <laughs> raised over the top on the river by somebody sitting there with a Broadway or a full house or something or even a, a, a small flush. So I I don't think there's any value to be gotten is what I'm saying here. Um, and I don't think there's any any time there should have been a check raise at all on this type of board so that's that's kind of where i'm going i think i think he played it fine from the standpoint of of you know he he did win the hand he you know he didn't he didn't let go of any of his equity but i don't think there was any more equity to get or any more value to get from the hand than what he already got john somsky yeah I think you're actually against an aggressive player. The best way to get value on this board is by bluff catching. 
So you just have to check and then evaluate whether or not you should call because this is a scary board, even with trips. So um, I really think the best way to get value is the way you did it. It just didn't happen to work out that time. But I don't think there should have been a bet or a raise anywhere in there. Yeah, I, th- I really like Rob's point about uh, having a value target. So this is something we talk about here a lot, uh, whether it's bluff targeting or value targeting. You're, you know, Dingo, you're you're definitely thinking a lot about your own hand, the absolute value of your hand. And what what Rob's getting at is in your opponent's range, kind of what are the hands that are worse than yours that are going to call here? So, you know, you could make an argument for a hand like Ace-King that's got top two pair. Um, I don't know if many worse hands than that are going to call because it's such a scary board. Paired board flushes in, straight is in. Um, and you've, you know, you've, you've showed interest in the hand by coming along since the flop. So that's one value target that we could have. Um, and yeah, I, I've got a couple other things to add, but Chris, why don't you uh, jump in here and, and then we can kind of get back to some of this other stuff at the end. I, I might be, I'm, I, 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 um, I kind of like a bet here. Um, I like I like going for value here. Um, and in fact, I, I don't think like the one of the things that the player I think is questioning is like, did I make a mistake by not extracting value? And I like Rob's point about you really didn't make any like because uh, I, I can't see doing anything else besides down to the river. The only thing because like we can't check raise bottom pair on the flop. That would that's just suicidal. Totally. We can't really lead. I mean, we could lead when the jack comes, but ugh, ugh, I don't. I don't know. Like, I I want to let this player keep going. I I don't think we should be. I so I like the check on the turn. Once we get to here, once they've checked, once they've bet small, c bet once, and then checked the turn back to us. I like a bigger bet than what we put out there, and I'll tell you why. I think we can still capture value from a lot of ASEX that um, I think we'll call a bigger bet here. Um, like I, I, I like going almost an 80% pot bet here with the intention. This is where you have to like be fully like I am folding to any raise. Like you're just, you're just, you have to be able, yeah, I got trip jacks, but you can't, think that this is the nuts here because there's a lot of stuff that's still potentially out there that's beating you but once we make that commitment i like the bigger bet i think we can get called by um there's a lot of there's a lot of asex in our opponent's range that may not bet for us if we check to them Mm. like if they have um ace queen ace 10 ace all the asex suiteds down um, even ace, you know, ace nine is getting counterfeited. So it's just, it's, it's, it doesn't feel that good about the nine. Um, I think those are probably checking back on this very scary board, but are probably going to call a decent size bet as well to bluff catch. And that's what I'm trying to capture value from. Yep. 
Yeah, and just to clarify, I think most of us uh most of us like the bet on the river. Uh, we're, we can quibble over the over the size there. Sorry, Chris, jump back in. Oh, but I mean, it it, it is true that we have like I, to John's point, it is true that if we check and allow um, the player to sort of bluff at this. But the problem with this board, it is true that that's a good way to capture value. The problem with this board is that the best bluffs are going to be like, I guess, single diamonds or queen x i they're just i just it's hard to find a lot of um a lot of really good bluffs unless they're going to turn a king into a bluff but i don't know if they are no and i think you know when john was talking about sort of letting giving them enough rope to hang themselves i think on the turn by checking we give them an excellent bluffing opportunity um when they choose not to when this river comes in you know part of our it, 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 they should be less inclined to bluff because part of our own holdings, part of our own range that continued as a call improved when the flush came in and uh, they'd be, they'd have been better off to try that bluff um, on the turn. Some might say, so I think that's, that's a good point. Kim, what do you have to add here? I'm just wondering if we ever leave the turn here mm-hmm. just because, I mean, there's a lot of scare cards for our opponent that can come on the river. I don't know. I think just against certain opponents. Like, I think the more aggressive our opponents are, the more I like checking. Um, And then the stickier and passive, more passive our opponents are, the more I like betting. Uh, Because they might put us on some of those semi-bluff hands there when the jack pairs and we're trying to get some folds. So I wouldn't be surprised if a solver had uh, uh, leading and check calling or check raising as different options at different frequencies but um there is, it is still a scary board like even holding trip jacks you know i don't we shouldn't feel like we've got the nuts here um and there's better jacks out there in straights already uh but i, I yeah so i think it would be pretty villain dependent right what do you think about leading the turn and falling to a large raise i would but again, also trying to, me- to get value from. Yeah, I like that idea. And and I think this is something that we've kind of talked about here a bit is bet folding as a technique. And I think, you know, when we when we talk about putting our hands in different buckets, one of the things that we should be thinking about is when we bet, how are these hands going to respond to a raise? And it's perfectly valid to to lead with a hand, to bet with a hand that gets called by hands that it beats and then our opponent raises with hands that are beating us. What a wonderful spot to be in as a poker player. If you're telling me I can bet and every time they call, I win. And every time they raise, I just, I know they have a better hand and I get to comfortably fold and sleep well at night and move on with my life. Like that sounds great. Sign me up for that all the time. The only time that gets sticky is if it's one of those opponents who's going to have a balanced raising range where they're going to be raising with some like queen of diamonds X hands that you're crushing um and against those opponents i'd rather take the check call line and do a little pot control still let them be aggressive with those kind of hands but not have kind of handcuffed myself to a a huge pot out of position that way isn't that where sizing comes in like if we make it a bigger sizing they're less likely to do that check rate that raise i think so raise i think so yep yeah i think uh 
that's a valid point. And I'm gonna I'm gonna quote Merv Harvey ah. and say that it's villain dependent. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if you have a if you have a calling station, um, yeah, you might want to bet out there. But if you have what you assume is a very aggressive, uh, competent player, you're going to want him to go ahead and try to bluff at this again and take advantage of his aggression and use it against him. Chris, the only, the only trick about because uh, I'm thinking about this, I don't, I would personally check this, but like I think we could potentially lead this board, but if we do it. What I think we're going to, and this sounds like a competent player, a competent player should likely with position on a final table. uh, Now, if they have a hand like King Jack or Ace Jack, um, they should just flat our lead and let us see what we do on the river. Um, And so since we're at a final table, there's laddering. If we lead this this turn and get called what is our river plan on on like a on a, a brick i mean the nine is pretty bricky it's you know i guess it fills up not pocket nines exactly but it's it's not doing much so when we see that what what is our plan on the river if we lead this turn i think mm-hmm. it, it to me it makes it more complicated um but but i'm curious what we are doing well, and it goes to show the importance of like the relative value of the hand because we're sitting here on trips and we're thinking like, can we lead for value? <laughs> you know, and I guess I guess the sense is that we can definitely lead for value. It's just what happens when they continue, whether it's as a call or as a raise. And anytime you're not feeling very good about how to continue if you get called, you have to wonder like, was that really a value bet? You know, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, they'll call us. I, they will call our lead. I mean, I think we can get called by worse. So that's good. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, and so that part is a is a bonus in the in the in the, the idea of the leading. Um, but we can also get called by better and be in really a thorny river situation. So I don't know. I guess the good thing is there's not that many bad rivers for us at that point. Um, that are going to really affect the outcome of the hand. Like we don't want to see a queen, I guess. Ideally, we wouldn't see any diamonds, but... um, We don't want an ace or a king, though. No, we don't want an ace or a king. That's true. We don't... Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Well, that... Okay. So, though, there are quite a few hands. Queen does give us a straight. Why don't we want a queen? That's a straight. Queen queen gives us a straight. You're right. I forgot we had the ten as our and as there. Yeah, good point. It may get him to. It may get him to call with the ace queen. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Good point. Thanks, guys. Um. So I think so. Let's go. Let's just go back and look at the questions that uh, Dingo was asking here. So, am I betting too large for the pot here? I think no. The answer is no. If you're going to be betting like this, uh, get value from those hands that are going to call. And then, and, and like like Rob and I were saying, even if it's a small portion of their range that's going to call, you want to get max value out of that portion of their range. Um, so you could argue about maybe sizing down enough to get called by like a, a less strong one pair hand, but I don't think they're going to do that often enough to make up for the times that they pay you off at the larger sizing. 
should I have gone smaller or done some kind of blocker bet for deceptive value? I don't think so, because, again, you don't really want to induce a raise here. It would be one thing if this was the kind of board where you wouldn't mind calling a raise, but it's going to be hard to call a raise here with a straight, a flush, and better trips out there and full houses out there. It just feels like you'd rather get this to show down. So um, I think I think I, I think the answer to that one's no as well. If I check here, do I get more by check calling by inducing a bluff? I think you might, and I'll just again, I'd love to know everyone's perspective. You'll your opponent will bluff sometimes with hands that they would fold to your bet, but they will call your bet with hands that they would check behind if you checked. So it's not a straight, oh, but he never bluffs when I bet. That might be true, but he also checks back a lot when you check. So you want to capture value from the hands that he's going to play pot control with, which as Chris points out, like a lot of these one pair of hands are just going to check back, tap back and, and win the pot when they can. So even, even if you may induce more bluffs by checking, I'm not sure you win more in the long run than by making that, that bet size out there, Chris. And when we're thinking about that kind of thing, trying to weigh those options, one of the, the really good practices uh, that at least helps me is to say, what are the bluffs? Mm. And if you can't come up with very many, that makes a really good case. And there's value that you can easily identify. Like, I think we can easily identify ace, queen, ace, 10, and, you know, all the ace, x suiteds down. They're going to call a bet. But it's very hard for me to come up with that many bluffs. It, it takes a, this is like, okay, this player is actually thinking many levels ahead is going to turn like king x. I forget, is the king a diamond? I don't think so. Uh, uh, he, it's not clear, but let's say it is. So okay. it would be like the so, queen of they are like queen uh, somehow queen king or? yeah king queen with the queen of diamonds that's yeah. an interesting bluff here i guess to raise uh or to to bluff with i don't know that a lot of players are going to do that um maybe they are i don't know but I, it's I, one combo right i mean we're 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 really we've re to me you have to search pretty far and wide on this board to find bluffs um that are gonna um it's more about if we think we can get them to bet those like holdings like ace 10. What are they going to do with ace 10? That's mm -hmm. that's the are they going to call a bet or are they going to bet themselves? And I I think I think they're going to call more than they're going to bet. Yeah. It's actually three combos. Excuse my sloppy math there for a second, but um yeah, and and also like you got to put yourself in their shoes. What was their value target going to be? with a hand like ace 10 are they going to get called by a, a worse ace are they going to get called by king x we've just spent this whole time talking about how scary this board is um so i think that that's another aspect to to went to that decision yeah rob well, i was just going to say one of the comments i made was when he checks back on the turn that kind of tells you that he's not that strong Mm -hmm. And he may be just trying to get to a cheap showdown. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he might have a one pair hand or he might have been just betting his range on that type of flop. The minute our hero calls, he realizes that our hero has connected with this flop in some way also. So he could have been sitting there with a pair of, a 
a pocket eights. Could have been sitting there with, you know, a hand like 10-9 suited. And he's just betting his range here. Um, so then when the when the turn comes, he's just gonna he's just gonna, you know, take it easy, see if he can get to a cheap showdown and find out where he's at. So I don't think there was much value to get. And again, that's what we ended up with at the end is there wasn't any value to get there. He was just making a play with his range. This is a flop that you're going to bet 100% of the time as the pre-flop aggressor in position. You're going to bet this 100% of the time. Um, I would have probably, in his position, probably bet much bigger than he did. He bet very small. I probably would have been in the 60 to 75% pot range. But either or, he did bet, he should have bet with his entire range. Yeah, I think that that is the part of this uh, post that I think is is one of those uh, maybe learning lessons for 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 everybody out there. And I see this a lot. There is an assumption I think sometimes, and I see this with actually usually see this with even stronger holdings. Like let's say we had Ace Jack on this this uh, board, right? And we now have a full house, and we're like, how do I get value? I didn't get value. I must have made a mistake. Hmm. But no, sometimes you just, you have an an immensely strong hand and your opponent has nothing and you're not going to get any value and you can try to get them to bluff, but there's a lot of players just give up when they have garbage. Right. And so sometimes you just, there's no value to get. And that doesn't mean you made a mistake. Yeah. Great point. It takes two to tango, you know, no big pots or unless someone's, you know, getting very aggressive as a bluff line. You're not going to see a lot of big pots where only one person has a strong hand. It's just someone needs a second best hand in order for you to get paid. Um, or they could be, you know, the blusterini method of just <laughs> trying to get you off uh, your hand. But ultimately, for a lot of these, it's just... And that's why we see a lot of players like slow playing flops, tripped uh, paired board flops, that kind of thing, to like let their opponent catch up on a future street. Because you just need you need them to have something. Um, or else you're just you're going to be the only one putting money in. So I think those are all really good points and and well said. Uh, is there anything else we want to talk about here for uh, our new member Dingo? I want to thank them for posting in the forums here. And uh, way to go! I mean, I don't know exactly they folded, so they picked up a decent uh, flop there. I'll be curious to hear from them how they did in this tournament. But congratulations to make the final table. Um, of the tournament here that's never easy to do and so congrats to you and well done and congrats to you dingo for taking the time and making yourself vulnerable to the rest of the poker world i think when we take these areas where we're not sure about things and post them in the forums like this uh you have to kind of open yourself up to criticism open yourself up to people saying that you were wrong or that you um you know could have done something better and that's why the Rec Poker Forums are such a great place to share this kind of stuff because you know the people there are going to treat you with respect and they're going to, you know, no one's going to berate you or call you a fish or anything like that, um, even if you're making big mistakes because we're all trying to learn together. We've all been in those shoes. I think based on the hand history here, Dingo already knows quite a bit about poker. So they're just kind of fine tuning some of these post flop decisions. But God bless this game. You know, you can play it for a hundred years and still not have it all figured out. God, Lord knows, I hope that's the case with me. 
Um, Cause I just have way too much fun every week talking about it here on the show with this group. So uh, without any further ado, I guess I'll, I'll just thank Dingo, like I say, for posting in the forums here. And I hope we get to see more from them. Uh, Rob Washam, Kim Kilroy, Charles Allen, uh, John Somsky and Chris Jones, the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino, but mostly you, the listeners, for all your support. Uh, thanks for everything, and we'll see you again next week. Yeah.